If you can't find the community that you're looking for, you need to create that community yourself. Welcome to the latest edition of The Current, Toro University California's alumni podcast. Joining us today is Dr. Camilo Pardo. He's a dual graduate of the university, 2018 for the uh, master's program and 2022 from the College of Osteopathic Medicine. Thank you for joining us today, doctor. Oh, thanks, Glenn. It's good to be here. Well, thanks. Uh, let's kind of set the table here for everybody. Uh, tell us about your current job. Uh, you're in New York. Um, tell us about what you're doing, where you're doing it, and uh, uh, what's happening there. Yeah, definitely. So currently, I am a second year resident in the social pediatrics program at Children's Hospital at Montefiore. Um, it's connected with the Albert Einstein Medical Center. So I just began my second year pediatrics residency. It's a three year pediatrics residency. And I'm actually specifically part of the social pediatrics program. So how that differs from traditional pediatrics is that it has all the same inpatient training that you would normally get in any pediatrics program. There's just an extra emphasis on uh, social advocacy and those interested in kind of studying the, what we call the biopsychosocial model within medicine and how social determinants of health may influence uh, health outcomes of the community and population that you may work in. Um, so I've been enjoying it a lot. Uh, I love New York, obviously, for multiple reasons, but it's been good so far and almost halfway done. Well, great. That's great. Wonderful. Um, so what led you to the medical field and, and specifically to study at Toro University, California? Yeah, great question. So actually, when I had started college, I had absolutely sworn off anything medicine related. Um, I had started off as, you know, bio, uh, major pre-med. And at that time, I was doing it just kind of because I thought it was a good idea. But I think what I had realized throughout undergrad is that if you don't have a true passion and motivation for pursuing medicine, then it's just going to be a difficult road from there on. So what ended up happening is that in undergrad, I became really interested in environmental health and public health. And I thought I was going to pursue a route in that arena. Um, and then following undergrad, I did a year of AmeriCorps, which is kind of like the domestic version of the Peace Corps. Um, and I was a project coordinator at a pediatric center in Boston, Massachusetts, uh, specifically Mattapan down south. And I thought that that was really wonderful. Like I saw, you know, from my position, the interaction between um, not only like physicians and nurses, but like occupational therapists and uh, psychiatrists, psychologists, physical therapy, like all of these kind of like a multidisciplinary approach to medicine and, and treating kids in this setting, especially like what was considered more high-risk children. And I thought that that was a really uh, incredible approach and really kind of made me fall in love with pediatrics. And so I decided to pursue medicine from there. So then I did uh, a couple years of post-bac program in Boston and I actually moved to Texas for two years. Once I completed that, I worked as a medical assistant in Austin, Texas, which was a great hands-on experience and clinical experience. And then when I was trying to figure out where to apply for medical school with my wife at that time, um, I had wanted to find a place that had a diverse population and a huge Spanish-speaking population as well. And obviously coming from Austin, Texas, that that's the exact community that I was working with. And one of the areas, obviously, that uh, has that population is the Bay Area, and specifically Vallejo. Although, to be fair, I was not super familiar with Vallejo uh, when I first researched Turo, because I'm also not from California originally. 
but I decided to apply into the medical science of master's health sciences program at Turo. And I was accepted and really excited because I would finally get a chance not only to achieve my med school dreams, finally, but also to work closely with a, a population that I've had a lot of experience with over the years and I felt very closely could could relate to, I think. So, I mean, especially for me, like it wasn't only just about like medicine and pediatrics. Like for me, pursuing a field like pediatrics, you're really focusing on, you know, if we're talking about the most at-risk population in the U.S. and the most vulnerable populations, that's definitely children. Because one, you know, they can't completely advocate for themselves based on their age. And two, there's just so many uh, afflictions that are influenced by how they're raised and other, like I mentioned earlier, like social determinants of health that could definitely be addressed in multiple ways. I thought that I could try to fit that role as a future Spanish-speaking pediatrician. So I think that's kind of what, what led me towards uh, Turo and medicine in general. Wow. Wow. That's wonderful. That's a, that's a great journey. Um, so while you were at Turo, what programs or courses uh, kind of best equipped you for what you're doing now? Yeah, that's a great question. So, I mean, honestly, what started everything was the master's program. I think that was hugely influential for me, you know, especially as someone who's a, considered a non-traditional student. You know, I was in my, my later years start restarting school, basically, after working for several years. And I thought it was a great uh, kind of like initial step in the door to, you know, learning like good study methods and taking all the same classes that you essentially take in medical school, um, just like a slightly like slower pace, but granted with the same material and with the same professors. And I think it's a really great introduction into what medical school life would be like. And then going to medical school, I mean, obviously I enjoyed all the medical science classes. And I think that one of probably the more influential courses that I took was probably the doctoring course that we have at Turo, because that's really the equalizer for everyone. You know, a lot of people going to medical school, they're all very smart. Everyone has the, the grades, the, the stats, but learning how to actually be a doctor, a healthcare provider is very different. You know, they always talk about the art of medicine, which is something that like, I can't, you can't really completely grasp until you go into like a fully clinical setting, like third year, fourth year rotations, and even like residency. There's a lot of nuances to medicine and how you practice it. I think that the doctoring course at Truro was a great example of how to start talking about that, especially in the context of like talking about a discrimination and bias within medicine, like how to talk to patients, um, like really encapsulating with this idea of uh, an empathetic approach to medicine can be. And I think practicing that in a, like a safe environment, like the doctoring course was really influential and helpful for me. And um, I'm not familiar with that particular course. What year did that take place? Yeah, so great question. So, you know, medical school, right, is split traditionally into the first two years are preclinical. So it's all the classes. And then the last two years are clinical. So we spend our time in different rotation sites. So in those first two, first two years, we take a doctoring course as essentially what it sounds like exactly, which is how to be a doctor. So you learn to do basic skills, like how to use your stethoscope, how to examine a patient, but it also includes, uh, you know, important skills like taking a history from a patient, like how to talk to a patient when you're trying to gather more information about what acute illness they have, or even something, you know, as special as, special, as kind of uh, intimate as like 
explaining to them a piece of bad news, which happens quite often, even within pediatrics. You know, really all of these are kind of like social skills that are integrated into medicine that are not directly, you know, reflected in your medical science classes, but are very important skills nonetheless to have, uh, no matter what specialty you're pursuing. Great. Thank you for that. So you helped start the LMSA chapter at Turo. What prompted you to to help make that a reality? And, you know, what were the what were the goals that were initially envisioned? Yeah. So, you know, I think one of the interesting things with the medical school is that, you know, especially because of the influence of social media, like a lot of people think it's like, oh, it's like, you know, you study a lot. You like you have your group of friends. It's kind of like unicorns and rainbows. A little bit stressful, but it's fine. Uh, I think for me, like I've moved around a lot over the past few years. I had just come from Texas. Most of my family was on the East Coast. Like my wife and I came over, we had zero connections in California. So honestly, for me, transitioning to Turo, um, even in the master's year, was was kind of a difficult time. It was very isolating for me. I was still trying to find my footing with my study habits. I was trying to solidify my friend group. But, you know, a lot of people are rich from California. They were able to go over the weekend to visit their family. I didn't have that opportunity. Like my home away from home was, you know, our uh, apartment in El Cerrito at the time, the first two years of med school. So I think, you know, throughout uh, master's year, like the first year of med school, I was really feeling that lack of, I guess, a community, you could say. You know, there's a lot of wonderful people that I had met at Turo in terms of faculty and my fellow classmates. Um, but I was just, I was just still having trouble finding, you know, kind of my identity and finding a group that I felt like I belonged to. So I ended up talking to some upperclassmen, Andrew Melendez and Alyssa Villanueva, uh, who are obviously now graduated as well. And they were in discussion of establishing something called the Latino Medical Student, Asso- Student Association chapter at our program, which had never been done before. We didn't have a chapter. And this was actually something that at that time I was, I had heard about, but I was not familiar with because I was not in my own chapter during undergrad. So I started talking with them, you know, they were writing the constitution, they were talking to our uh, diversity and inclusion office, and it sounded exactly like what I was looking for, really. And I think it was a matter of, you know, if you can't find the community that you're looking for, you need to create that community yourself. And I think the LMSA, I found, that's where I found that opportunity. So I basically had discussed with them a lot about like ways that I could help and kind of move the initiative forward. Um, and at that time in our diversity inclusion office was a man, uh, Dr. Devon Lee, who was a, a wonderful uh, part of Turo at that time. And he helped to establish the LMSA chapter at our school. And especially because it was so new, you know, it was a very small small club but what was great is that you know once i was assisting with andrew and Alyssa to establish the chapter you know they had transitioned to the clinical years already and so i was part of the first board that would really put together like any sort of projects that we would have for lmsa and for me that was one of my first kind of leadership roles that i held at turo and really in life so it was kind of a matter of like, what direction do I want to take this in? There's so many things that you can do with the club. It says, you know, uh, there's a lot of decisions to be made, but I basically gathered a group of friends who I thought were really wonderful and who helped me with all these projects. And we basically made the LMSA chapter happen. 
And basically what we did is, you know, we tried to create an organization that really focused on a few different aspects. One, you know, the community within Turo really engaging the rest of the students uh, population, talking about different uh, like Hispanic and Latino traditions, uh, really the difference between Latino and Hispanic, which is a whole other conversation um, and exposing them to things that they may or may not have been exposed to before and starting you know, important discussions about topics that we thought were important, like, like immigration and, you know, and, and things like that, that were is still continued to be an important discussion. And then, of course, otherwise, I think that one of the more important things was establishing uh, a connection with the community as well. So I think for that, it was very, that for us was very important because oftentimes what happens is that sometimes you know, you go out to the community, you host like health fairs, you may ha- wear like a white coat to signify that you're a healthcare provider, you're a doctor. But really, I mean, I think the burden is on the medical school and us as doctors to prove that we should be a part of the community and that they can trust us because there's been decades and decades of medical mistrust among um, the community, especially a community like Vallejo, which, you know, is majority historically marginalized populations and like large, like black and Latinx populations, you have to establish that connection somehow. So I think for us, like we were able to go out into the community and participate in a lot of different events. Uh, We were invited to, you know, obviously pre COVID times assist with the Dia de los Muertos events that they were hosting in Vallejo, which was really wonderful. We had our own table and we were able to talk to a lot of people. We collaborated with a lot of great organizations at that time the Solano AIDS Coalition, uh, El Comalito, which was a great arts collective that's still active in Vallejo. Mina Diaz, before she became, you know, great and powerful councilwoman at the moment. There was a lot of people that we were able to talk to and collaborate with and really kind of like dive into the community and show that like we truly like want to help and that the important thing is like what what needs do they have that we can help to address as opposed to imposing what we think they need which is essentially called paternalism in medicine is is what we call it so i think basically long story short this lmsa chapter was a really wonderful opportunity to not only connect you know with the outside the vallejo community and kind of show them like what we're doing in the med school and initiatives that we're trying to do, but also connect with and create a community within our medical school for those who also may feel like maybe don't have a community that they fully identify with. Um, So I think once we were able to establish that and get that off the ground, it was really uh, invigorating for me uh, as someone who naturally is not like the strongest kind of like test or study person, I think like really being able to find and create a community and dive into that was a huge, huge uh, emotional and mental support as I went through the different obstacles and really journey of medical school. Wow. Wow. Well, they're still going strong. So you should be, you should be happy about that. Um, so yeah. you touched on this a little bit. So let's go ahead and expand and share, share a little mm-hmm. bit more about your thoughts about the importance of having uh, the Latinx and Hispanic representation in the medical field, just kind of overall, the, the importance of doing that. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I, you know, for myself going through undergrad and my post journey, like at that time, I didn't really have anyone to serve as a mentor. I mean, there was people who I asked advice for, but I didn't really, I was kind of just going through everything by myself. And I think just hoping for the best. 
And what I realized going to medical school is that, you know, once you're able to get to that point of medical school and residency and, and so on, you're really in such a position of, of privilege in, in many ways. There's this statistic that a lot of people always quote, and it's been quoted a lot this month because it's Hispanic Heritage Month, which is that uh, currently in the U.S., uh, only 6% of doctors identify as Latino or Latina, which is in huge contrast to the population, the Latino, Latina population that we have now in the U.S., which is almost 20%. And it's going to just continuously increase over the next few years. So, I mean, for me, you know, especially if we're talking about like underrepresented, uh, like minorities, like being someone who identifies as Latino or Latina uh, as, a, as a doctor is, is a huge deal. And I think, you know, especially in California, you know, you meet a lot of pre-meds. There's a lot of local colleges and community colleges in the Bay Area. There's a huge, um, like, community and pre-med movement in the Central Valley as well. I think that, you know, trying to establish some kind of, some kind of, like, pipeline and, like, mentorship is super important because oftentimes what makes a huge difference is that cultural connection that you can't really find anywhere. You know, when, when I entered med school and I found others who had had similar cultural and like language backgrounds, it made me feel more comfortable and more confident in myself. And I think that that can have a lot of positive uh, effects on someone, really. And so, you know, once I made it to that point in med school, I was like, I think it's really important that we kind of continue this tradition, not only of the chapter, but like create a path of mentorship for people because oftentimes it's hard for them just to find a mentor who they actually connect with. And I think that increasing diversity in the healthcare workforce will have a very strong and positive influence on those who are going through that pre-med process like I did like many years ago. Because, I mean, there's also a lot of studies about it. They're showing that doctors who look like the patients that they're treating within their same community have better health outcomes uh, at present and in the future. So I think that only increasing that diversity in the workforce through mentorship and pipelines is a super important thing. So I think that, you know, as a a former president member of the LMSA chapter, that was definitely one of our strongest kind of talking points. And even now as as a resident in New York, I think that's been a super critical uh, thing that I want to integrate into my future clinical practice as a as a physician and as a uh, someone who identifies as Latino, who's Spanish speaking, and a physician who can, you know, act to try to act as a as a role model as as best I can, really, for those who are going through that same process that I did. Great. So you mentioned that it's Hispanic Heritage Month. Uh, what does Hispanic mm-hmm. Heritage Month mean to you personally? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I mean, like I said, actually, for for many years, I wasn't aware that that was even a month, really. And I mean, Hispanic Heritage Month it's it's such a it's such a loaded term. It encapsulates so many different things, really. It's uh, about celebrate celebration, acknowledgement, recognition, um, like discussion. Like really, in this month, uh, it's it's been great because there's a lot of people who I see on social media, on Instagram and and Twitter nowadays, posting about their journey. You know, there's a lot of people who are talking about 
the process that they went through as a, as an undergrad, as a pre-med, now going through medical school. And that's something that others uh, can relate to, which I think is, is really incredible. So, you know, it's really an opportunity to be able to celebrate the accomplishments of uh, so many people before us who identified as Latino, who had, you know, many great uh, accomplishments in the medical field and outside of the medical fields. Um, and also acknowledging that, you know, there is, uh, there is a gap in the workforce right now, right? I had mentioned that 6% of Latino, Latina, or of physicians identify as Latino or Latina. And that I think increasing that number is super important, especially in a place like the Bay Area, Turo, where the majority of that population is going to be Spanish speaking. Um, I think that's an incredibly important skill that someone should have going into medical school. And if not to facilitate that kind of skill and med and medical school, yeah. So I think that's just uh, an incredibly important thing, and I think that it just kind of makes me appreciate the meaning of culture and community for me, um, especially as you go through a rigorous medical school curriculum and a residency curriculum. You know, where sometimes like there's just so much uh, like details and like medicine to remember that it's just important that you don't lose sight of the main goal, which is to, to be a doctor for your, for your future community, which for me is, you know, the Spanish speaking population, like a population that I can, I can relate to. Dr. Pardo, we're about at the end of our time. I want to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to, to share your thoughts with our listeners on the current, on this particular episode. So we're going to call in an evening. Uh, you're on the East Coast, so it's three hours later there. I want to thank you again for taking the time to join us and thank our listeners for tuning in. Until next time, take care. Thanks so much for inviting me. Take care. Mm -hmm.